Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans. Welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Bird podcast. I'm your host, Blake Murphy. You can find me on Twitter at BlakeMurphy7. And uh, coming to you live tonight, the timing that we had as far as recording this is fantastic. The NFL schedule just has been released several hours ago. We'll get in touch on our topics on that. We'll talk a little bit, obviously, about the quarterback situation, any of the other news that's been going around right now. Everything is built around that number one pick. The NFL draft is coming up. So we'll get into our offensive preview. Uh, we've got our uh, my co-host, as always, at least here on the Revenge of the Birds podcast, uh, Johnny Venerable at Johnny's Football for at least the next nine or so days here. Uh, or I should say by this point, it's at least uh, eight days now, at least if my math is correct, is here. John, how are you doing tonight? Doing well, Blake. I'm not stressing this schedule release at all, uh, and we'll dive into that momentarily. But bigger picture is next week, the NFL draft. We'll continue to preview that tonight on the offensive side. Uh, we'll talk about um, you know key trends that we're seeing, uh, a little bit of insight with Murray's camp and, and our predictions on what the Cardinals will do definitively, because this is our last pod until post-draft. Uh, unfortunately, I've got some travel next week uh, going back to Chicago and uh, taking in the draft from there. So we will be unable to record until probably a few days after the draft has settled, uh, in which case we'll have all the updates and everything else where we believe Josh Rosen is playing and, and things of that regard. So this is the preview pod for the draft with a little bit of scheduling, and I'm super excited, Blake. Yeah, no, it's really kind of this is what it boils down to and what we've been waiting for, mostly because the Cardinals, as we know, 32nd ranked offense really had no true uh, no true weapons for the most part outside of Fitzgerald and Kirk. And to make matters even worse, you take a look at the um, uh, the next step over to uh, – you know, the next step, at least for the team, for the most part, with the players they brought in, and they just don't have a whole lot of young talent around them right now. This is where the draft you need to go and be able to bring in young receivers, young tight ends, young offensive talent uh, to be able to surround with whatever quarterback that you're going to be starting with. It doesn't matter whether it's Rosen, doesn't matter if it's Murray. Uh, you know, it could be me out there for all we know, and I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying that that is going to be me, obviously, <laughs> but that's where I'm excited to get into, John. And um, but let's let's at least first go and talk a little bit about just some of the latest news that's been going around. Uh, the biggest thing, obviously, that stands out for the most part is uh, Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury hold a press conference. Uh, interestingly enough, their top 120 draft board not necessarily finished at this time. Usually, when they have that press conference, either the top 120 board is wrapped up or they're just about to wrap it up it seemed like that they were saying that they hadn't started it this year not a lot of quotes were gleaning out one conversation with Steve Kime it's like hey uh you know what made you want to draft a quarterback I never said I wanted to well are you gonna not draft a quarterback well I didn't say that either just the typical type of you know uh, the typical type of BS that you get from general managers at this time especially when people are trying to push and drive a certain narrative and whether the Cardinals are following that narrative or not it's like you honestly can't say anything at the time. There was very little to glean out of for the most part. Although what I at least suspected instead of said, I said, Hey, I was wrong. I'm thinking the top 120 board would be done. But the good news is as long as that board is not complete, then you can at least say, Oh, we haven't made up our minds yet. So even if the Cardinals know who they're drafting at number one or have a certain number of, Hey, well, if you know, we get offered these picks from the Oakland right here, we know that we're going to trade back no matter what happens for that. It's not finalized until that top 120 board is finalized. So my suspicion, John, is I think the Cardinals know who they're going to take at one. And I think that holding that press conference before they've kind of 
you know, quotation marks, officially finalize their board is kind of a good enough excuse to be able to kind of keep people a little bit in the dark. And we've even had some people who have had questions and doubts that have already been kind of pushed back about whether or not they are drafting Murray at number one, but there's a couple of signs that maybe seem to kind of indicate that this is the direction that they're going in. We'll get into that in just a minute, but were there any other thoughts that you had about that press conference? Yeah, I don't mean to be overly cynical with this whole process, and I think it's league mandated that they meet with the media once before the draft, uh, pre-draft, but like, why even have that press conference? We got zero information from the two of them, and it's not like they're going to engage and divulge with, you know, the media, the the spotlights on this team, and I just, based on like both of their comments, like, I get it. Like, you're not going to rip Rosen at any point throughout this duration, especially now if you've got an idea of what you want from a value standpoint. So the the answers from from Kingsbury and Kime about his, Rosen's mental toughness and his interactions with Josh, it's just like, come on. It was too much coach speak for me. It was Kime trying to play coy when it's just like, come on, Steve. Like, everybody knows what you're going to do. I'm convinced that the league has some kind of understanding with the Cardinals, whomever is going to trade for Josh Rosen, that we will take care of you in future scheduling conflicts or whatever in some way, shape, or form. Keep this under wraps until either the night of or the day before the NFL draft. I, I'm fr- I, I will take that to my grave. I believe that's, that's what's happening. I don't have a problem with it. I mean, that you want to build up suspension. The draft is on ABC for the first time. You want people to have intrigue. Um, but like this, pre- like this press conference did nothing for me. I expected a little bit of insight. Like, you know what? We feel really comfortable about where we're at at the quarterback position, but we're always open to so on and so forth. I mean, like they, they basically sat up there for 45 minutes and said nothing that was – you know, you could take any kind of substantial information from. They just basically talked in, you know, I don't know, riddles almost to the effect of like Kime saying, I didn't say I would take a quarterback. It's just like, come on. Like, I, do I believe they have their 120 big board done, completed? Uh, maybe maybe 115. Maybe they're shuffling in the last <laughs> yeah, five. Yeah. It's, it's like March Madness, right? It's like the, those last couple teams, who's in and who's out? Like, that's that's what they're doing now. Like I would hope their top 50 players have been done since individual workouts and and scheduling has been over for uh, several weeks. Um, you know, far after the, the, the combine, but you know, individual university workouts, like they know who, who, who they're targeting on days one and two, it's day three that they're probably pinpointing, they're pulling in their area scouts, you know, divulging on who they're going to make priority free agents. If, if, and when those individuals become available, talking about going through scenarios about if certain players around the league are available on day three for, for a trade, you know, I've teased the fact, I think that Marvin or not Mar Yeah. Marvin Jones could potentially be moved. Um, some of these, you know, second and third tier wide receivers, you know, it, you've heard rumors around the league. Jadavion Clowney could very well be moved that the Texans seem like they're motivated to move him. And, um, team like Oakland could make a lot of sense with their multiple first round picks, but just like things like that. Those are the scenarios they're going through now. They're not going through who's, who's their top 32 or top 50. Like that's done. That's over. They, Mm -hmm. they know who they're taking. They have, they've had grades on everybody. They continue to, you know, try to speculate or excuse me, the media continues to try to speculate. Like it's a done deal. They're taking Kyler Murray. He's going first overall. 
They know they, they have value on everybody. And it's at the point now where it's just like, why even this, this press conference was just, it, it irritated me as a fan. Cause it was like, stop doing this. Like we know what's happening. You, you it's going to be the biggest hoax in NFL history if they come away with either a trade down mm-hmm. or, or or Bozer or Quinn and Williams. Like I will. If they didn't give all, away any indication. Yeah, that, you know, I will it was like, infinite crow. Yeah, yeah. I will. I will be completely humbled. You can rip me till the cows come home. Like everybody knows what you're doing. Like rip the bandaid off, but they can't because the league is is, is involved now. And we're eight days away from the draft and they want speculation, but like, I'm, I'm just, I'm so worn out of this topic at this point, you know, it's frustrating. I'm more excited to talk about day two and day three options, uh, especially when you, when you factor in the Rosen picks that will likely be coming back in a trade. So I, I, I I want to like Steve Kime again, he's making it difficult. I'm still a big fan of Cliff Kingsbury, but like people are like, speculating you know based on what you can't decipher anything what he said because he didn't say anything yeah exactly and that's where a lot of the uh, what's tough at least is the cardinals haven't really said anything really of substance since the combine where it's talking about hey uh is josh our quarterback yeah for now he is they, they haven't said anything since that was that that was and if you look at really how it worked for the most part you were like Oh, okay. So two things. One is either it opens up a bit of intrigue that, you know, some people talked about and may have to move up to number one, kind of even said at the combine that he'd consider calling teams number one, all these Kyler rumors come out and then you start hearing like, you know, within two or three days, I had people like sending me messages saying, Oh, Rosen's moving on. It's a done deal. It's done. They're taking Kyler, all of this. And then it just kind of dipped down again. So I think it was honestly the easiest way for at least my brain to connect. It was you open up that question about it and then you drop a bunch of the different rumors and then teams suddenly start bringing up ideas. Hey, is Rosen available? If you're thinking you might move on, what would be the price trying to gauge? It was almost kind of like, it wasn't like a, Oh, we're keeping Rosen. We're putting this out to try to get a trade down. It may have been very much John that the Cardinals at that point, maybe were like, we're pretty sure we may move on from this spot to Kyler Murray. Maybe it was, earlier than we think i know that was one of the guys that we've been we've been working with at least on with eric galko talked about with february 12th that he believes he found out that the cardinals would be selecting kyler murray it's taken me at least probably another month or two after that before i started to come around and be like okay with the people i'm talking to and then also just the idea of it making sense i know we looked at a a video at least that we and we both kind of it was a breakdown of kingsbury his offense the identity and some of it that made a, a great point was you know kyler murray's been in this type of uh, Air Ray, this Mike Leach type of system, the terminology, the way of the route concepts, and all of this identity of how to attack a defense, all of this idea of how to manipulate defenses and coverages. He's been in this since, you know, he was like, whether not even since high school, but like since his freshman year, he's been in this type of an offense. It's been naturally ingrained into him. Whereas Josh Rosen, it's been a combination of pro style a few years, some spread concepts that were through there because that's in college football. But a lot of it was the pro style and on the West Coast type of offense. And so the adaptation where if Cliff's offense, he can tailor it to Rosen's strength, tailor it to Murray. The argument was, hey, either quarterback's got the skills to make this work. But for Rosen, it's like you'll have to kind of take an extra step of work. Whereas with Murray, it would just be like, oh, he could start from day one, not having to worry about it, no learning curve whatsoever, just because it'd be so natural. And so in that sense, it's like, and then, if you're talking about accuracy and the fact that Murray is probably a bit of a more accurate passer than Rosen, it's like, okay, I started to kind of come and warm up to the idea where it made sense even after the spot of, okay, this is happening. So there's times where you can say this is happening. Like I've, we found out, Hey, the Cardinals, like 
they're going to be possibly like taking, you know, if he's there, the Cardinals may take Blake Bortles in 2014. I was like, well, I'd probably not be a fan of that, but if it's happening, there it is. This has been more of something where it made sense as for why it's happening, John. So I think that I'd agree with you. And this is just kind of wrap up the press conference talk that we have each of these every single year. There's, there's nothing that comes out. We've even had teams that have like, you know, people specifically lied. We, you and I even talked about, there was a Cardinals beat writer who after the press conference suddenly kind of swung back the pendulum, believing with how Kime talked about Quinn and Williams, that he was probably going to go ahead and take Quinn in, which I, I drive people back to that 2014 press conference. It was, it was almost like a big red rage show. It was a huge draft show that they did at the stadium. They had the owner, a bunch of players that came up, you know, Arians and Kime went and talked and Steve Kime raved about Johnny Manziel for like, you know, two minutes straight, and he comes down there on the board. They trade back from the pick when Mansell is on the board. And you're like, oh, okay. So, not every single thing you're going to hear, obviously, from the team is going to be true. A lot of times it is true, but they've got preferences or needs, and they'll draft someone else. So, let's talk at least a little bit, John, and shift the attention away just to the other news that for a lot of fans, and there's one that just dropped recently, just only, I think a few, uh, just about an hour or so ago, at least it'll be interesting. We'll get into, um, but the first thing was Kyler Murray visit canceled to Washington from what we at least have heard. It seems like it may have been Kyler's camp that canceled it, or at least Kyler Murray was making no plans. Some have speculated that it's possibly rather that came from the Redskins side of, okay, well, never mind. Don't bother coming here because we know you're not going to make it down here. I think it may have been more of Kyler's camp, at least for the most part, because if you're the Skins and you've got to visit out to the, the facility, you never know, at least because you might have to find out, hey, like in two or three years from now, at least, let's say that, you know, or whatever quarterback we have, we end up rolling with Case Keenum for that one. Someone becomes available. The Cardinals make him available because they take two at one next year. <laughs> you know, it's you would probably want to have that visit just to get to know the player if you're Washington. So I think it would have come from Kyler's camp saying, hey, we don't need to bother coming out. I don't think he would make it past four. And there's mixed news, obviously, that's come out about Murray. Some have said they thought he'd fall out of the first round, whereas I saw a couple of sources like directly kind of said, no, I've, I've heard that there's like two or three teams that would like handily trade a first round pick next year to move up to take a guy like Kyler. That's where I think there's a lot of questions as far as Cardinals fans, depending on how you feel about Kyler. Some are looking and pointing it up. No one wants him except for Cliff. This is terrible. We're just getting overhyped over this kid. Whereas on the other side, some are getting hyped up about him. But what were your thoughts at least about the cancellation of the Washington visit at least? Is that kind of more of a hint or an inclination you think that Murray's maybe going to go number one already and that's why they're canceling or at least if not one, somewhere at least in that top, top five, top ten picks? Yeah, Kyler has no interest going to Washington unless Washington's picking in the top 10. Kyler and his camp firmly believe he's going to be in Arizona. And I think that is more so, I, I think they did it as a gesture, kind of a sign of good faith. And he had this lined up for a while. Mm -hmm. I do know that. Um, and now that we're getting to the point where, like, what is it going to accomplish? I, I think it more accomplishes the fact that maybe Washington is trying to get information out of Kyler if, if they haven't completed a Rosen deal already. Like, what are they telling you about the situation with Rosen? Just to try to get any and all insight from, from, from Kyler, maybe he slips up and says something, that they've actively, actively shopped him to these other teams. They promised me he'd be gone by draft day. Like, little things like that. But I, Kyler's at the point now where his camp firmly believes he's going to be a top five to seven pick, if not the first overall pick. Right. Um, he's got contingency plans in the Oakland Raiders, who I firmly believe would take him. I think there's a good chance the Cincinnati Bengals would take him should he fall that far. 
I, I think there's a chance the New York Giants would, would, would roll the dice on him if he became available. I know a lot of people, you know, poo-poo that idea based on what Gettleman said about being too small. But, I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, why, why criticize a guy unless you want it to come off as, as the opposite? And so the people who are saying, well, Murray may fall considerably if he doesn't go first overall or the team's leaking that out, they want that out. So if there's a possibility, maybe they read in the Kimes press conferences they're not taking him. Uh, and they've got Rosen in the building, so they want they they smell blood in the water. So they want Murray to fall potentially, which isn't going to happen. He's going first overall. But if it did, it would make sense to say, you know, Murray's not a first round pick. He's a niche guy. He's going to Kingsbury, who runs that air raid, but nobody nobody takes him seriously. Everybody yeah. just assumes Kyler's, you know, a fringe first rounder like Lamar Jackson last year. But in reality, he is a much superior prospect. He isn't. Uh, Outside of his height and weight on the field, he's an elite prospect. He's a blue-chip prospect. He probably falls, Blake, for me, between the ninth and 11th best player in this draft. Um, but, at this, but at the same time, definitely quarterback one and would be right there with uh, the quarterbacks from last season. Um, is he, do I think he's a top-five player in this draft? That's tough. I mean, you'd have to convince me otherwise with Bosa. Well, I'd have higher grades on Bosa, Williams, Devin White, Ed Oliver at the at the worst. Yeah. And then I think he's kind of in that next group with Josh Allen and Brian Burns and Christian Wilkins. Yeah, and, the Hawkinsons. The yeah, uh, Andre Dillard potentially is in that group. Yeah, he's in that next group. He's not in the first group, but but again, he's a quarterback. Patrick Mahomes went 12th or 11th or 10th or whatever, and Deshaun Watson went 12th. I mean, it doesn't Aaron really... Donald went 10th. It's just there's little weird snippets of, like, even when J.J. Right. went, like, there's little weird snippets based on team needs, values, a lot of those spots. Like, you know, we've talked about it forever. Mitchell Trubisky, he had a lot of things and attributes that you look for. Yep. You should not have gone ahead of Watson and Mahomes and still no. up in Chicago for the most part. And, hey, they went 10-6 and six last year for those. It's going to be the same thing this year. I think yeah. Daniel Jones ends up going ahead of Dwayne Haskins. I mean, teams, oh, yeah. you know, John Elway likes big quarterbacks with big arms that aren't overly accurate and mobile. Like, certain things are – certain teams are stuck in the way they, they do things historically for good and for bad. And that's why I applaud the Cardinals because they went outside conventional wisdom. They hired – uh, a brilliant offensive mind who hasn't had a lot of success as a head coach. They're bucking the trend. They're going. <laughs> well, he hasn't had a lot of success in win total. As far as right. offensive yes. total, you're like, yes. this guy is like, he was putting up, I think, like you look at Oklahoma with all the talent that they had, and even though it's the Big 12 and they don't play defense, he was still neck and neck until the very yep. end of that game and still had the defense that, you know, picked off Kyler twice in that game against Oklahoma where it's like, okay, this is like, they're competitive. They just excel on offense. Whenever they've gone and played games, you know, in bowl games outside of the Big 12 for the most part, they still put up offense, even on like pack yeah. defenses, even on like if they've played in the Big 10. So it's just one of those areas where the way that he's developed, not just the players that are there, but the quarterbacks to look at it specifically, you just end up kind of your jaw drops when you look at all the different types of players that he's gone through. It's like, it's not a surprise that he's an NFL head coach. I think the biggest shock to people is that they would have thought, oh, he would have had to like say, be the offensive coordinator. Hey, he's dude first, right? And a lot of guys, their guy, yeah. he comes, oh, head coach of USC. Oh, he plays two years there, gets to a bowl game. They can recruit better. Oh, okay, fine. You know what? Fine. We'll bring you up similar to how Jim Harbaugh, when he went to Stanford, had to pay a lot of the dues that was there similar to how Chip Kelly and a lot of times it would have been hey if you know it's not going to work out for you there come on up be an offensive coordinator in the NFL a lot of people expect to pay dues and so that's why when you jump the shark for that one some people can have concerns and that's where right. we 
see that with we had the same thing with John D. Filippo last year. We were thinking he's going to be a quality potential head coaching candidate. We liked him as our favorite head coach. He gets the opportunity and there ends up being a lot of drama. They throw the ball a lot with Kirk Cousins. They end up switching completely over, run the ball a lot, still don't know, end up having a lot of success. And uh, it's it's fascinating, I think, overall to be able to see. That. Well, I will say, like, they're bucking conventional wisdom with, with Cliff as a hiree, but I, I because of his inexperience in the NFL. But I like most fans would tell you, and I, I honestly do believe this, rather than to do the the safe play, I, I don't mean to keep picking on the Broncos, but like hiring Vic Fangio, yeah. who is a brilliant defensive mind in today's NFL where you have to score points. The Denver Broncos already had a, a quality defense, situationally at least, with Vance Joseph. Um, they need an infusion of, of a strong offensive mind, and they're they're bringing in Joe Flacco. They're, I mean, like, that's what the Cardinals used to do. They used to take on journeyman quarterbacks. Yep. They used to hire, you know, head coaches that were grizzled, um, that had paid their dues, They that were were not the risky picks, but kind of were the safe choice. And, and safe gets you to 6-10, and 7-9 and nine at best. You're not winning championships with that. And I like Vic Fangio. He's a hell of a defensive coordinator. But, like, he has no business, in my opinion, being a head coach in this stage of his career. Like, I, I, I think that that – on the flip side, when you're the Arizona Cardinals, historically an irrelevant franchise, you, you have the longest po- um, championship drought in the history of professional sports, <laughs> you need to roll the dice to hit the jackpot on somebody like Cliff Kingsbury. We've talked about it at nauseum, Blake. Cliff Kingsbury is not going to pick you as his top choice a year from now when he's the hottest offensive mind, either at the collegiate level, let's say he killed it with USC. He's getting an offensive coordinator or head coaching job offers from 10 different teams in the NFL. He's not taking you seriously. You're probably fifth or sixth on that list. You have to, you have to be, you know, um, an outlier a little bit. And part of the recruiting pitch to him, I believe, and we've talked about this, they told them they would seriously consider Kyler Murray. And that's why he chose them over the New York Jets. He had an opportunity. He had a deal on the table from the New York Jets to become their next head football coach to work with everybody's darling, Sam Donald, who I like a lot. And then on the flip side, Arizona's sitting there, inferior roster, worse record, not, you know, not established. It, you know, GM is not doing particularly well. And they're basically like, be our head coach. Mm-hmm. We'll consider Kyler Murray and, um, you know, Kyle will put together your defensive staff and we'll, and we'll get, and we'll get rolling. And I, you know, I, I, it's, it's different. I'm not saying it's going to work, but I, I, I at least commend them for trying something new. Yeah. And that's where, when you go outside of the box, like we even talked about what was the market looking like for coaches. We talked about the Jim Caldwell's. We talked about Adam Gase who had just come off of a failure. And, you know, there's a lot of question marks about what was going to change. There's even questions. I know with the jets with cliff, when we looked at it was if he was going to be forced to take on Greg Williams, at least as his DC, which no one, no one who's a rookie head coach should ever want that. But Cardinals were like, Hey, we know what we want. What we want is to be able to get the quarterback development, right? And you're right. I've, heard the same at least the uh, same at least idea of all right when cliff came in he wanted to make sure that hey i want to make sure that i can choose the quarterback and steve kime had talked about how he's learned don't force players onto coaches at least if you can and that's the case you go through it and at the end of the process you say hey josh is better than kyler murray 
everyone can agree to it, they come to that cardinal decision. So that's something I think that's very interesting. And it's a benefit, like you said, to the Cardinals is um, if you end up looking at this team and they go through and have uh, this full embrace of this new kind of with how all of the, like you look at last year, a lot of those same air raid concepts, at least that we saw in Kansas City from Mahomes was essentially ripped right out of what King, Cliff Kingsbury did with his playbook. You got an MVP winner, and now you're getting the guy who helped mold, shape him, getting a guy he's wanted to work with, you know, since sophomore year of high school. There's positives, I think, that you can look in. The negatives, obviously, of course, come in as most Cardinals fans that you and I talk to, they don't really like about having to give up on Rosen as far as at least that too soon. So we, I think we can talk a little bit more obviously about just some of the Kyler Mania, but I do want to shift a little bit into the second piece of news that dropped about an hour ago. That's very, very intriguing. So the NFL schedule was released today and some teams got to have fun with it. The chargers, they basically put up their schedule in pop tarts. Like they compared like, you know, colors to the different teams that were there. The Colts put together a bunch of stock video. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons had a fantastic design thing where it was essentially the game of Thrones intro with a lot of the you know the little models moving around with like their stadium some of the different teams it's really well done the cardinals also released their schedule video at least with each of the teams they were playing and someone notices that there was one player who was noticeably absent from the schedule video john three guesses at least you probably need one what player was absent do you think from the cardinals schedule hype video Robert Kimdichie. Yeah, well, the, you're correct for that one. No. But there was another player, obviously. Josh, Josh Rosen wasn't in yeah, the video. Yeah, your quarterback was not in your schedule release video. That's not a good sign, even if it's a spot. Like if you were going to say, oh, hey, may maybe they will keep Josh Rosen. All of a sudden he starts showing up and some of that you start getting hints. Now, maybe it's something that you couldn't do no matter what just because of the tension. But gosh, like Darnold, he's all over the Jets video. Lamar Jackson, he's all over the Ravens item. Josh Allen over the Bills. Josh Rosen's the only one it seems like right now who's not being kind of used to prop it up and that's something that like is kind of a scary thing of like someone's like hey we got rose in this video passing on cards hey, hey, hey you, you, you don't want to put him in that video that's to me that's kind of a little bit more of an indicator that if you're still not a believer for that one it's like boy the, the smoke screen at this part it's getting like so deep it's like you know the cardinals are like sitting in their press conference you know and there's just vape filling up the whole room it's like you just walk in start vaping to fill up the entire room that's how deep the smoke would have to be if you are going to be going there and you and I obviously don't believe that there is going to be any shock or surprise there the only question it seems like is where's Josh Rosen going to go so that that's kind of the biggest thing of news that's just kind of dropped and kind of trying to quickly write up a Revenge of the Birds article on that just because it is you know this is and this is something I think we haven't talked enough about John this is one of the you know top draft stories that we've had of not just the last decade but maybe all time of moving on for a quarterback last year was crazy with all of the hype of which quarterback would the Browns actually select and then Saquon Barkley going at two versus the Browns passing it was a big story this has been like national news every day like Cowherd's talking about it every day Good Morning Football is talking about it every day this is like Schefter and Rappaport are like reporting on it every day they've got like their num one of their number one like reporters for NFL Network and Steve Weiss is coming out just living at the Cardinals facility asking questions to Kime and Kingsbury and Bidwell for that this is a huge story at least and that's part of what I think we need to recognize as Cardinals fans in kind of at least in some cases enjoy a lot of that and enjoy some of the attention and recognize how big it is because we've probably gotten sick of it by this point John but most people haven't because they recognize how crazy and how big of a story this actually is yeah and can I just say something where people are getting frustrated on Twitter understandably so when Blake and I put out information based on the fact that we're we've come to grips that they're taking Kyler Murray and when we put out 
information. Like I put a tweet this afternoon basically saying like, I love Quentin Williams. I love Nick Bosa. I'd love for either one of them to be the first overall pick while keeping Josh Rosen. Like we've made, we can't state anymore that we, we would prefer them to keep Rosen. But at the same time, that's not happening. So we try to play devil's advocate and spin it on the opposite side of the spectrum of saying, okay, like in 2016, the Cardinals had elite outside linebacker play from both of their edge rushers. And, and Chandler Jones had 11 sacks. I think Marcus Gold led the league in sacks with 13 and a half. Clayus Campbell, who if Quentin Williams pops, we would hope he has a, as good of a career as Quentin or as Calais. And Calais was elite that year, parlayed that in, in his free agency um, jackpot contract with the Jaguars. They, had, they were elite in all three spots that year, and they won seven games because Carson Palmer was not very good. He was just okay. He wasn't nearly the quarterback we saw from 2015. Yes, they, David missed the whole year. They had special team issues. But Carson was just – his touchdown ratio dropped. He, he turned the ball over a ton. They didn't have good enough quarterback play, and they won seven games. So at the end of the day, quarterback is what matters. And so if you're the Arizona Cardinals and you have Kyler Murray graded at like a 98 out of 100, I don't know what their grade is, and you had Josh Rosen. We know Rosen was their fourth-rated quarterback last year. Let's yep. say Rosen – It was – whether some people say second. No, it wasn't really second. Yeah, he was their third fourth. fourth for yeah. One. They liked Baker. They liked Allen. I'm sure they liked Darnold over, over Rosen. At the end of the day, I, I think they had a grade probably in the late 80s, early 90s, right? Certainly, certainly a first-round grade. Probably, let's just say for the sake of this argument, 90. Let, and then Kyler Murray's high 90s. So you got to make up a difference of like, let's say, six, seven points on there. It's not, the, it's not like Rosen's in 89, Kyler's in 91, or, or whatever. Like, they believe in their building that he is by far and away a superior quarterback. We may not believe that, but they do. To, to Josh Rosen, and that's all that matters. They've, they've wrapped their head around that. So when I put stuff out there and Blake put stuff out there, like this is what they're doing. You guys need to get on board with it. We're not, we're not saying we like the direction. We ripped it for six weeks. You can't, <laughs> just, you can't just aimlessly rip the process of, of taking Kyler Murray anymore. You just have to either – like it's part of being a fan and following the team. doesn't mean you have to like everything they do. But at the same time, like – it's it's if we're praising Rosen a week from now and he's on a different team, like why the hell are you listening to this podcast? Like you, it's it's time to move on. If they take Kyler Murray, which we expect them to do, like as a Cardinal fan, like that that's that's your quarterback now. That and even if Rosen goes on and has success elsewhere, like we'll we'll kill the Cardinals for that. But we've made it clear, like it's a it's a huge risk what they're doing. No team has drafted back to back top ten quarterbacks in like 40, 50 years, like. Everybody understands the fan base for the most part. I would say probably 70% of the fan base wants a haul for the first overall pick, wants a defensive player, and wants to keep Josh Rosen. I fall in that camp. I think, Blake, for the most part, you fall in that camp. But you, 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 you're probably a little bit higher on Murray than I am. But when, yeah. I put out, when I put out information or Blake puts out information online, it's just like, guys, this is happening. Like, come, come to grips with it. We're not putting it out there because suddenly we're just – we're in love with Kyler Murray and we're flip-flopping. Like, just – it's time to get on board. It's time to get on board, and and we're, and we're trying to we're trying to spin it to the point where people can be like, I don't agree with it, but I can understand why they're doing it. Yeah, and I'll be fine if people want to accuse me of flip flopping. I'll more than happily embrace some of that at least, as far as you know, understanding and changing some of it is just with the when you're looking at a lot of the stuff that with Kyler, Josh, and the different areas. I think it comes down to the spots of the for me the big three were. 
when Josh struggled last year, it was being laid on his throws. It was the decision-making and reading the defense. And it was the fact that when pressure and structure and things broke down, he just wasn't able to escape. He took a lot of sacks and there was issues there. And those are three of the biggest strengths of Murray. Now that does not necessarily mean that Rosen won't improve in some of those areas. I think that's certainly possible. And I'd love to be able to obviously have a player like Nick Bosa here on the team. But if you're looking at for each of those different spots as far as accuracy, and we've seen this, John, I know you and I have talked about how you can't really replace accuracy. We love Lamar Jackson as an option because of how special and dynamic he was last year. And when it got to the playoffs, he was still missing throws, at least overall, that were, you know, he wasn't able to kind of take it up and step it up a notch for that one. Whereas Baker Mayfield went on to have a successful year. So maybe it just is something as simple as coming down to, hey, you know, if you want to start and have your foundation, your cornerstone be built, there you go. I think that's the biggest question I think that you'd have. And it's not to say that, you know, Rosen won't have success. It's not to say that, you know, I'm not a true fan for each of those different areas. I think a lot of it is just, hey, you know, if you have new information, at least that comes in and you believe in the new information, at least I think it's fine to be, it, it, it's almost foolish to kind of, you know, hold out. Like if you're kind of at work and at your job and someone's like, hey, you know, this uh, this company that I hear, it's like, it's, it's probably about to go under. We'll have to change our suppliers. You can either just be like, okay, no, I don't think that. I think they'll get it figured out. We've been loyal to them. Or you can just go ahead and change your supplier. And then if we do end up having where the draft is called and Bosa's name is read out and said, Hey John, it's not just us who've been wrong. It's literally every single other person throughout this entire process. I hope, so, I hope I'm wrong. I hope yeah, I'm no, wrong yeah. twice. I'm, I'm, I'm wrong. At least you have said that they're hoping yeah. they're wrong for that. I'm for me, at least it's gotten to the point where I'm like, okay, if we believe this is active about Murray and they suddenly shift and it changes away from this, my concern then is, okay, they all of a sudden now don't seem to have this identity of, Hey, we were going to go full. We're going to go full air raid for that one. It's the future of the NFL. It's the future of being able to find these athletic quarterbacks and being able to find quicker success. And if they say, ah, you know what, we're just going with Bosa. We were all along. Then I'll suddenly feel like they didn't have an identity or that some type of tension happened that will be more of where I'm worried because then it'll feel like it's one of those draft day slides of hey the Browns hey the Browns were totally going to go after Teddy or Carr and then suddenly it's hey okay guess we're going to have to take a defensive player now just because that's who the defensive player won fine you know we'll trade back from Sammy Watkins we'll take Justin Gilbert who should not have gone in the top 10 that year and we're going to go ahead and take Carr or, you know. Great example. First. And suddenly it just switches to Johnny Manziel, the entire offense at least, that they didn't have an identity, they didn't have it. It was just an example. That's that's how it will feel is that suddenly things drastically change. And that's where I think that for me, I would prefer to, hey, if you're going to basically go ahead and you strike out on Kyler Murray, then I'd rather you strike out and at least be pursuing that model and that identity with the idea of, I don't think you're going to really strike out on a guy like Kyler Murray because as we saw with Bruce Arians, they had their identity built. They still won games with Drew Stanton and even Blaine Gabbert for crying out loud. They, you know, they obviously couldn't win games with Logan Thomas, but I would rather much be pursuing that versus the complete lack of an identity they had last year with trying to make it do with, with the Sam Bradford's with the, uh, with you know the what was even uh, Mike Glennon's and even with Josh Rosen at least for the most part they drafted at least Josh Rosen and brought him in but when you're getting the quarterback four you trade up from and then a year later you're ready to move on it just seems like you just didn't have as much of an identity to begin with especially if you and I were saying they were willing to potentially move on from Josh Rosen by hiring Cliff Kingsbury that just shows that there just wasn't a lot that was in store so I would at least be applauding and saying hey you're going and pursuing this all out 
Uh, only cautions, obviously, at least, would be make sure that you make sure that you get the grading right. Because if we're looking back and Rosen ends up being, you know, a starter for the Chargers in two years, and the Cardinals are, you know, in that spot the Skins were a few years ago with Kirk Cousins, hey, then you're just gonna have to accept that. And a lot of fans are like, well, you know, we can move on, but you know, Kime won't move on, Kingsbury won't move on. For them, this is gonna be kind of like the make it or break it spot. It's not just, oh, you know, if Josh doesn't work out in two years, we'll just take Trevor Lawrence at number one overall. That's, uh, that's that's not something that you want to be. <laughs> and it's not something this is it for steep time. Experience too. This would be it. You're probably getting at least a year for sure. Obviously, you're most likely. My guess is getting a second year as well. So that's where I think it comes down to. I honestly don't hold any animosity, and I don't think any of us hold any animosity against those who disagree. I know there's a lot no. of fans, even people I've talked to who are high up in the NFL. The people like you have a lot of NFL contacts, at least, or people you know of, like, we're like, okay, this would be a person who would be like an legit source for information. They're like, I'm still not buying the Murray rumors. I'm sorry. I still don't think that it's happening. It still doesn't make oh, sense to me. Totally and, I'm like, and I'm not saying, hey, this is what we believe for that one. I've got no problem that if that's the case or if you're a person holding out, I think it's rough to be able to get angry or upset when people are passing on what they're hearing or I'm upset or angry. But you know, that's totally your right to have for that one. All I would say, at least, is, hey, all what we want is for the Cardinals to win. I think that's what we'll need to say is, hey, let's at least when we the draft is finished, I think it'll just be about a uniting at least the rest of the fan base saying, all right, we've got all the players. We've got Cliff. We've got Kyler. Fitz is back for another year. He wants to go out on a high note, whether it's over one year or two. Let's go ahead and bring everyone together versus, you know, focusing on the petty nonsense because it was the same with Browns fans last year with the Darnolds, the Bakers, even the there was a huge Rosen camp I know last year with the Browns as well. So, that's where I think let's go ahead and be able to put those differences aside once we get through these next eight days for that one, rally around the team, and then just see kind of what the end product is in the field. Because you and I, John, both agree that there's no way that it's going to be at least worse than last year. At least we're pretty I, sure of hope for just yeah, because no of way. because of how lost things were. It was like you know you had a potentially one win team that came in that managed to kind of stumble to three wins. So let's move on to the uh, we've kind of teased about that we would start off with it. We're kind of finally getting around to it. Schedule dropped earlier this week john let's go ahead and preview at least for some of that week one versus the lions you're at home starting the season uh, first thing i noticed and i thought when i saw it was starting against the lions week one was like david johnson having you know the ptsd that would happen the last time that came up with his wrist injury where he lost throughout the year next game at least week two you're on the road at the ravens at 10 a.m early east coast start game week three you're at home against the carolina panthers a one o'clock game week four you're up against the seahawks another one o'clock game Week five, you travel on the road against the Cincinnati Bengals, a 10 a.m. early morning start game. Uh, you're back at home. Uh, you're back on the road. Excuse, uh, excuse me, back at home against the Atlanta Falcons at one o'clock p.m. Uh, and then the the brutal kind of stretch of the schedule starts. You have two 10 a.m. games back to back. Week seven against the Giants. Week eight against the Saints. That's also going to be your. Uh, Thursday night football game. This is a short week. You're at home. Didn't help the Cardinals at all being home last year against the Broncos, but that's going to be on Halloween night, your 10 o'clock game. The last time the Cardinals had a Thursday night football on Halloween night, Daryl Washington was still a member of the Arizona Cardinals, as crazy as that sounds. Uh, so you've got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road. That's going to be the Bruce Arians reunion game. That's an early game at 11. You're at least out of the early swamp parts of the season. You don't have any, you know, chilly, cold parts like the Green Bay game that they had last year. Uh, we got week 11. You play the Niners two times in two weeks, two o'clock PM for that. That one you're on the road. Then you've got your week 12 by late by this year. It doesn't really do the Cardinals any favors for the most part, unless they're kind of moving in toward playoff competition, which would be, you know, honestly, John, we're kind of in the spot of, we think that's maybe a little bit of a year or so away, just considering where the team is at right now. Hey, if you, you know, if they want to pull off a Dak Prescott, then I won't complain, but you look at the, 
brutal finish to the season. You're at home against the Rams. You're on the road against the Steelers. You're, uh, uh, excuse me, you're at home against the Rams. You're home against the Steelers. Home against the Browns. That's a game that maybe you flex at least in week 15. And then you finish the last two weeks of the season on the road. Week 16 versus Seattle. Week 17 against the Rams. Those are all 2 o'clock or later start time games, potentially the last game in the L.A. Coliseum with the Rams getting their new stadium next offseason. So, John, let's go and break this down. What was the first thing that to you popped up when you saw this schedule? I think it was the lack of primetime games. I knew it would happen. Uh, I didn't expect them to have uh, any Sunday night games. There was a rumor going around uh, early portion of this week that the Cardinals were going to – either host the Browns on Thanksgiving nationally televised, or they were going to travel to Cleveland uh, and everybody speculated Kyler versus Baker and the Kingsbury factor. Unfortunately that I would have liked to have seen that. Not that I think that the Cardinals um, deserve nationally televised games at this point, but I thought that'd be fun to watch that on Thanksgiving. Uh, but outside of that, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough to watch your team become essentially irrelevant. And I think yep. Kyler's going to do a lot to, uh, flip the script. I don't know how many wins that's going to translate to, but he is going to become uh, a polarizing figure in the same way I believe that Johnny Manziel was when he entered the league. He is that unique type of athlete. I think Kyler is a much better player, but I do think he's going to draw people to their televisions when the Cardinals are on. So I, 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 here's what I would tell Cardinal fans who are frustrated with the lack of primetime games. I think most fans get it. When you average 13 yeah. points <laughs> per game last year, they were one of the worst watches, um, not only of last year, but uh, of recent memory. Uh, we go back to that infamous Thursday night game, hosting a bad Denver Broncos team on primetime, down, I think, 20 or 30 points at halftime. Rosen looked terrible, multiple pick sixes. Um, and I, I was at the point where I'm like, please stop putting them on national TV. I don't, I don't want yeah. the national media to see this team. It's an embarrassment. Mike McCoy, of course, was fired the next day. But still, it, it continued. They were blown out pretty regularly after that, non-competitive in a lot of games. Until the Cardinals can somehow put together a competent roster, uh, consistent quarterback play, you, you reestablish the head coaching spot, uh, they have no business being on nationally tele national television. And I, I have no problem with that. Um, they get their one uh, throwaway kind of Thursday night game this year, which is fine. Um but, you know, Sunday night football, certainly not anytime soon. Monday night football, I thought maybe there'd be a chance they'd be in that uh, Monday night doubleheader against uh, a team, maybe like Oakland or something like that. But, uh, you know, generally, if they're going to throw the Cardinals a bone on Monday night, it's going to be that second game of the doubleheader. So that didn't come to fruition either. Uh, and so I'm at the point now, Blake, where I, I just I feel like this team is kind of starting from scratch foundationally. I mean, oh, yeah. very much so with with this rebuild, with the coaching staff, you know, that's why this it's frustrating to watch Kime interact. And it's kind of like, should you be around? Um, but they're giving him, <laughs> they're giving him the, uh, his due process, uh, and his win loss record speaks for itself outside of last year. Right. But, uh, and that's what Michael Bidwell make no mistake is going off of. But I, I think that breaking in Kyler Murray against a Detroit team that, you know, for the most part, it's going to be so probably, bad last year. Oh my God. Yeah, I do think they'll be better defensively uh, with, I think they'll make some, some nice picks in this. I think if they can score an edge rusher opposite Trey flowers, I think Patricia will get more from them defensively. They're, they're, they're a, Matthew Stafford is not a good road quarterback. So I, I actually think the Cardinals have, have a chance in that game. 
Um, and then the next couple, the next couple games, I mean, frankly, I, I don't think the schedule is, is all that daunting in terms of like, you should be at the point now after watching this team last year, we're like, can they make it a game? Can they be in, can it be a one score game in the fourth yeah, quarter? We, we don't know. That's the yeah, thing that, right now. Those are the questions. Gonna be. Yeah, absolutely. Last year it was like, these games be- became unwatchable after halftime. I mean, it was like two or three minutes into the third quarter. It's like, I can't, I don't want to watch this anymore partially because Rosen would just get his brains beat in, but then they'd be down 20 points, 25. They were blown out so often. I couldn't watch any more three and outs offensively. Um, you know, you, I think it's actually, you know, the Ravens are going to be rebuilding defensively. They, they lose C.J. Mosley. They, they lose Terrell Suggs. Um, I think the Cardinals will have an opportunity maybe to score some points in the first couple of weeks. The Panthers defensively looked bad at the end of last season. Yeah. Seattle, Seattle at home. The Cardinals should have beaten Seattle at home this past season. Then you get the Bengals, the Falcons, the Giants. Um, you know, at the Saints is probably your toughest matchup of the year. Then you get 49ers, Bucks, 49ers. I mean, like, the Cardinals on paper, Blake, if, if Kingsbury's the real deal, and I know that's asking a lot, if Murray can live up to expectations, you figure they add at least two or three linemen out of this next week. They add a couple receivers. <clears throat> Excuse me. They add a tight end at some point. Like, I think the Cardinals are going to be – a fun team to watch offensively. And I'm high on Vance Joseph. Uh, I think that this is probably a five and 11, six and 10 team. Um, but I do think that games will be fun again. And I, I, and I think that that's the driving point of this whole Kyler situation is like, can the Cardinals and I love Josh Rosen, you know, that can the Cardinals afford to be embarrassed as much as they were last year? And is Kyler embarrassment proof? We've seen what he can do. They were down. I know this is college football. He was down big the first half of that national semifinal game against Alabama and willed them back and made it competitive, <clears throat> excuse me, in the second half uh, with his throwing ability, a couple just ridiculous throws, um, a couple long scrambles. I mean, like, he ba- the rest of the team kind of let him down. I know defensively they were nothing to write home about, but – I think that Kyler has an ability against a lot of these teams where they can't really let up. And I think yeah. the, Cardinals, the Cardinals know that. And so it's nice to have – it will be nice. If this, King, if this is what aggressive. happens – Right, it will – Absolutely, which is the opposite of Steve Wilkes. It will be nice to have a quarterback that the margin for error when you talk about inability to block up front, receivers dropping balls, like – Kyler can do a lot on his own, and I the hope from the franchise I know is that he is in the same mold. Cam Newton at his best. Obviously, we, we talk about Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson. Those are quarterbacks when they're on that they can win so many different ways and will their team to victory, and I think that Kyler has that same Russell Wilson. Um, and I know I'm mentioning quarterbacks that run a lot, but I just – those he's, he's a mixture, I believe. He, he, he has some of those traits from a lot of those players. And so at the end of the day, you know, he's got a lot of Fran Tarkenton in him. So I, I think he's going to be a fun watch. I think the Cardinals are going to be in many more games this season. I think they're going to, like you mentioned, Blake, Kingsbury's going to be aggressive. They've got nothing, like Kingsbury and Murray really have nothing to lose this year. Steve Kime, you could argue, does. But he doesn't have a lot of say on the day-to-day personnel in terms of, like, who the coach plays. We saw that last year. We saw um, Steve Wilkes purposely not play a lot of Steve Kime's high draft picks. So I, I think Kingsbury and, and Murray are really going to let it fly to the point where like this, you're one, man. I got, I got a ton of stability here. I got low expectations. People don't think this team's going to be any good. We got a last place schedule. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. 
Yeah, no, I think in some of what we even talked about, John, is the fact that when you've got an athletic quarterback that and you make use of it for that one, even in they're a rookie, unless you're in a situation like John Fox or Steve Wilkes, that athleticism usually makes up for a lot of other different areas like we saw that with you know extending plays with guys like Mahomes in his first year starting we saw that with Trubisky this year he even threw for I think six touchdowns this year we've seen that with guys like Baker Russell Wilson I had to look up a couple of different um, areas to look for with the Cardinals we'll break down kind of some of the game by game here with the schedule but I think that at least you'll get enough of a boost from lack of film lack of people you know no one knows what Kingsbury's offense exactly is going to look like there's going to be having to go back to some of the college tape and college plays there's going to be always a new wrinkle or two there's always a new player to every single game that Kingsbury threw in where you're like oh wow that was a really well-designed play that was called like at the right time it was like he studied saw tendencies on film was able to design a play around that and the team was able to execute it for the most part so I think there's going to be enough of it where you'll say the Cardinals I believe at least will be what we had hoped they would be last year which is a team that probably will not win a lot of games for the most part uh, we always hope for obviously that Cowboys or Seahawks you know 11 and 5 type of you know emergence that you see with the Dak and Russell in the rookie years but a team that's maybe doesn't win a lot of games but is competitive is fun to watch and we're able to see a lot of just you know the explosiveness of you know seeing Kirk Fitz catch passes uh, another wide receiver hopefully or tight end that they'll be able to bring in and then the resurgence of David Johnson back with a guy who's actually going to be willing to throw him the ball and use him in creative and unique ways uh, but let's go over some of these games you went over some of the previous games with at least with the Lions let's do a quick little pick them and see where our results are and I think I'll go back to kind of my core point of where the season will be shaped and kind of come back to that when we get to the end but first let's go over the Lions game John do you have that as a loss or a win for the Cardinals I'm going to say they win that game opening weekend of the NFL the home crowd's going to be jacked I think the Cardinals are going to debut I mean, frankly they're not going to show much in the preseason and it's going to be tough to game plan against Murray and Kingsbury week one I think the Cardinals are going to come out on uh, a, a big time high. I think they're going to have some nice new additions, and I think it's going to be a close game. I think the Cardinals win somewhere to the effect of 27 24. Yeah, I'll, I'll also go and copy on that. I think the other thing is when you got a conservative head coach like um, a defensive coach like Matt Patricia. Who, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was going to say Matt Patricia. Yeah, that was, we saw that last year. It was just. It was brutal to watch for the most part, and even though they've kind of moved on to a different type with Daryl Bevel and everything, it's still a spot where I think it's a home game, and then it just reminds me of going back to like looking at the emergences of a lot of other top picks. I just thought of the Cam Newton first game against the Arizona Cardinals at home where he just went off because everyone's like, whoa, like he was so different from a passer, all the different plays. That was in a year that was, I believe, the 2011 year where it was like just, it was shocking to a lot of people. It was a bad, uh, it was a bad it was, Panthers team. It was, it was a, a bad it was Panthers a team. Very Comparable Panthers team the year before to what we just saw in Arizona. And we keep coming back to that, Blake, where it was like Clawson was a top 40 pick, and they're like, this guy can't play. And then they took Cam first overall. Um, so I, it's weird that we keep coming back to that, that same team because I think there are a lot of similarities. I think you're right. Yeah, and then I was just looking back with the cam with you know he threw for like 400 yards, actually shattered Matt Leinart's record, and then I think also of the uh, the first game at least that when Russell Wilson played and he came out, everyone was just kind of like shocked with the touchdowns. It was like a 20 to 16 game ended where Russell honestly like probably should have at least won the game. You would have thought for the most part, but he, he didn't. He ended up I believe uh, he had only 153 yards, one touchdown a pick, but ran quite a bit at least in that game. Marshawn Lynch at least it was just a spot where I think that it would be not surprising to me at all if the Cardinals come out with a win if that one with their home crowd um if they do start the game with a loss it's going to be kind of rough because the stretch they'll go on is difficult uh, week 
week two against the Ravens. This is the one where I've kind of got the next two games for me are almost kind of a, like the, the first game of the year as far as Vegas has it as a pick which makes a lot of sense given the fact that, you know, both teams were struggling last year. We don't know what it's going to be for Cliff. They usually don't give a lot of benefit of the doubt to new head coaches. Uh, I've got this one at least as a loss, mostly because it's a 10 a.m. game, even though I think you can probably go up against the Ravens for all of those. But Ravens may be used to defending a mobile quarterback having Lamar. I think that'll be really interesting to see what exactly we get for this Cardinals team. It's either one of those spots of where either it's a win where they come out, but because they just have struggled on the road in the last few, last few years, I've got this one at least as a loss in my book. How about you, John? Uh, I think the Cardinals are going to struggle big time in this game, specifically on defense. We saw how poor the Cardinal run defense was last year. Mm. I think it's going to be improved this year, but to how much, I'm not sure. Um, breaking in a new defensive scheme, still very much early in the season. I don't think the Cardinals have upgraded nearly enough along their defensive line. Uh, they're very thin in a lot of positions. I I like Darius and Gunter coming back and Corey Peters. Like those are nice players. Those there aren't any blue chip players up front, uh, and the Ravens have a, a very strong offensive line. And then you talk about the two inside linebackers, Hicks, who's a little bit undersized and injury prone. Uh, great player when he's healthy. Uh, and then we all know how I feel about Hassan Reddick at this point. So I think that's a, that could be a ball control game that really benefits the Raiders and, or excuse me, the Ravens. And yeah, I, I'm on the same page. I think just that crowd, that experience of, of John Harbaugh, I think is going to be too much for the Cardinals. I do, again, I think these games can be close, yep. um, but I, I don't think anybody at this point is going to pick Arizona to win any, any road game next year, uh, much less on the East Coast time. So yeah, I think some of the effective, I, I, you know, 21-17 or something like that. Yeah, and again, this will right now early, but and we'll see exactly what happens. If the Cardinals with Vance Joseph can manage to stop Lamar Jackson as far as with the rush, then that'll be a very interesting development there. Week three against the Panthers at home. This is the one that I had had the last week as a loss. This one I put at least as a win. I feel like that the two could – flip-flop. Uh, if the Cardinals end up starting off the season 0-3, it's going to obviously be a long season, but I think that with how their schedule worked out this year, it's much more front-weighted than it is back-weighted. Um, so I think this is a game, at least, where a lot of people are kind of questioning and wondering about with Cam. I think there's enough questions that we have from the offseason. I don't know if the Panthers have addressed as much as they needed to on offense. They had, I believe, their center retired. And on the defensive side, at least, it just seems like they've gotten long enough in the two, and they struggle a lot for whatever reason after Steve Wilkes left last year. I can see this at least being another win potentially especially if they start to find their groove after the first two games so i've got them having a win this week what about you john i think it's a coin flip i'll go lost just because of the fact similar situation with the with uh the ravens week before and cam's a better quarterback than lamar uh and they've got a much better uh running back in christian mccaffrey and just the the physical threat he is out of the backfield um, I think Carolina is uh, going to bounce back this year, assuming Cam's healthy. I like a lot of their personnel. Uh, I think they need a strong offseason, a strong draft. But I, I think they're a team uh, that could come back and easily win the South this year. They're so physical when they're healthy, when their linebackers are humming. They're secondary. Those guys hit hard. Their, their, their front seven is one of the better ones in football. Uh, and then they can play ball control. So I, I think that the Cardinals are – are going to play hard at home this year. Unlike last year, I think the home field advantage is going to return because I think people are going to be uh, excited to watch new offensive scheme, obviously the, the Tyler Murray effect, but I, I, I think this is a loss Blake. Uh, but I, I really do think out of these first four or five games, they could win at least two of them. 
I think that's right. Uh, week four against the Seahawks. This one is at home. I've got this one as a loss. I think that it's, it's still not fair to be able to put the Cardinals at least ahead of the Seahawks at some point. And they've split games in the past couple of years. They were competitive last year. Maybe you catch them kind of napping in a certain spot. But I just have kind of the feeling, at least for the most part of it, it just feels like it's a spot where the Cardinals, for whatever reason, seem to play well in Seattle at the end of the year. Not as well at home the last few years. If you can flip the script with Cliff, I'll appreciate that. I am going to give them a win. I think it's the due factor. They haven't beaten Seattle in Arizona since Russell Wilson's rookie year in 2012. We're flipping the script. The new Russell Wilson is hitting the desert and Kyler Murray. I think that this is a game in which, again, the Cardinals should have won last season, uh, had no business losing that game. I think the Cardinals play the Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are a team to nip early on in the season. I think they're a team that – uh, outside of when the Cardinals visit Seattle, uh, they're a team that plays better down the stretch, uh, especially in their building. I think the Cardinals could absolutely win this game. I think the, the Seattle personnel on paper, not great. And now that they've paid Russell Wilson big money, I mean, he's worth every penny of it, but they're going to have to sacrifice in other areas. I don't love a lot of their drafts recently. So I think this is, I think this is a winnable game for the Cardinals. I really do. Yep, yep. All right, so you've got a win, two losses, and a win right now, John, looks like. Uh, let's move on to – I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong there. Move on to the Bengals. This is an interesting spot because I've seen people varied on the Bengals. Some people believe they take a Dwayne Haskins or someone like their uh, – some people think perhaps they wait a season at least and end up potentially as being a team with a top three pick. I've got the Cardinals in this spot with a brand-new head coach and with struggling to find a defensive coordinator. They're kind of in a really, like, almost similar spot to Arizona. The biggest difference obviously being that uh, with the talent and everything, how it's been split up and has moved around for the most part is they ultimately are going to be probably in the spot of having a rookie quarterback, but in a new scheme, kind of almost, almost in a similar spot to Roseanne. I've got this as a, basically a pick em game. I picked them to win this game because I think that it's a spot where I just don't have a whole lot of confidence in the Bengals, whether it's, if it's Haskins, you've got Terrell Suggs, who obviously knows the Bengals well, and Chandler Jones coming at a rookie who's got great timing but isn't as mobile and will be having to start off maybe in a similar spot as Josh Rosen, or against an Andy Dalton, who, as we all know, is about as temperamental as the sea when it comes to the plays. So I've got the Cardinals winning this game, even though it's 10 a.m start uh what do you have john i am uh firmly in your camp as well i think Bengals could be uh one of the worst teams uh in the nfl this year just because their division's so loaded i think the browns are going to be obviously everybody's darling this year uh but that afc north is super super tough i could see the Bengals with the top five pick next year and i think this is the year especially with a new coaching staff it would make sense for them to roll the dice on a young quarterback. And I think yep. those those cheers could get loud for the backup, whether it's Dwayne Haskins or whomever. If, if, the Card- there, yeah. Yeah, if the Cardinals come in and their, their rookie quarterback is, is playing well against the Bengals, Dalton's not playing well. I could see this as, as a kind of a breakout game for Vance Joseph's defense to the Bengals' offensive line. Not what it used to be. I think mm-hmm. I think the Terrell Suggs, Chandler Jones could have their way against the uh, a uh, immobile quarterback like Andy Dalton, um, Patrick Peterson, AJ Green. I, I, I like Pat P in that scenario. So yeah, I think this is a game in which this could be Murray's quote unquote breakout game, just because of how inferior I, the Bengals and the Cardinals actually have a lot of similarities. Um, the difference is I think the Cardinals are going to um, have the better quarterback in this game, uh, and I, I like a little bit of more of their personnel offensively. The Bengals are kind of trending, I, I believe, where the Cardinals were last year outside of Rosen is they were kind of trending down. Uh, but they both have new 
new head coaches. Um, and I think it'll be a close game, but I, I see the Cardinals winning as well. Somehow getting to three and two, but I think the beginning stretch of the season is the most favorable with all the home games. And then it, it's really kind of ugly. Definitely agree. I think it'll be a fascinating matchup to see the Cardinals offensive line against the guys like the Geno Atkins of the world and see how that will exactly turn out. Um, Bengals will be interesting to see what they do in the draft this year, especially because if they don't go after a quarterback, they may change a whole lot as you're, as you're talking about that. So let's move on. The, this is where kind of the, uh, this is where, this is where the fun begins overall, where you go at home against the Falcons, the 1 PM start time, John, I've got that one at least as a loss partially because I think the Falcons are too good on offense right now. And their defense, I think, is getting a lot of talented guys backed in. Quinn's calling games again. Unless the Falcons kind of go and be that surprise, you know, like dropping team again for a second year in a row. I think this is a game where maybe Cardinals end up shooting it out for them. Maybe someone hits the rookie wall with Murray. But I think this is the game that I have at least as a loss at home. Sorry, I was stuck on mute there. I absolutely agree. I think the Falcons are poised to uh, make a little bit of a run this year. I like a lot of their personnel. Matt Ryan, very savvy, veteran NFL quarterback. I'm right there with you. This is when the losses start to pile up for the Cardinals. But again, hopefully they're close losses and, mm-hmm. and we're, having, we're having fun more than two quarters in. Yeah, they got kind of their long streak. Um, out of all the games that were there, I put this one as a win with the Giants. I think that when you're looking at what the New York Giants are going to have, at least with picks six and 17, they're going to be looking at probably like either a pass rusher or a Daniel Jones and then a 17. Like my guess, at least if I had to pick it right now, would be maybe they end up taking a quarterback and a wide receiver, kind of copy the Cardinals method. I still think Dave Gettleman will want a pass rusher because he drafted ones like almost every single draft he did with the Panthers and doesn't seem to want to kind of change that status quo. So I think that the offense for the Giants is going to be having a lot of struggles. I think that'll be another chance for the Cardinals. I've got them winning this one, even if it's a 10 a.m. start time, John. I think this is a loss. I think this is going to be tough for them to travel out east. I think the weather could be a factor. I think it could get cold uh, latter half of October uh, in New York. I think there's going to be some temptation from some players to have a good time while they're on the East Coast. Uh, I just feel like this is not a game that the Cardinals historically win. Um, Just my good feeling against, you know, traditional powers like the Giants in the Meadowlands. Um, I think that I mean, say what you want about the Giants. I think that they're going to be improved up front. I think their offensive line with the addition of Kevin Zeitler. They've got Will Hernandez. I like their offensive line interior. Saquon Barkley, I think, is the best running back in the NFL right now. I just think that this is the kind of game where, again, very similar to maybe the the Baltimore and the Carolina game where they can just kind of grind out the the Cardinals' lack of depth. The Cardinals are going to be really thin, uh, obviously, with with the the starters that they have, which aren't all – you know they're not great players to begin with so uh, I think the I think the Cardinals end up losing this game yeah all right so that's where uh, okay we split there so we've got that as another loss next week against the New Orleans Saints 10 a.m start time that's going to be also the first game before their short week I've got that one at least as a loss it's really tough to pick against the Saints at home because they are so good in the Superdome John Yep, totally agree. This is a loss. So I've got them uh, three and let's see, how many games have we done? That was week, uh, sorry everybody, bad podcasting. Um, one, two, there's a win. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, I had them at three and two at the Bengals, then a loss, then a loss. So they were, uh, they're three and four, three, three and five. Three and four. Three and five Three and five. I'm three. I'm three and five at the Saints. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, no, you're three and five for that one. So, but at the halfway point for the season, I had the win-loss win. 
another loss and a win. So I had, I believe, uh, I think I was looking at, was it four and four? For that? I think it was four and four for that. You're 500. One. Yeah. yeah. I know I'm 500 for that, which part of that I think is just the optimism because as we're starting this backstretch, it gets rough. Uh, you've got week nine, Thursday night football. You're at home against the Niners Halloween. I know someone at least even mentioned on the radio today talking about how it's going to be tough for all the families to have to make their decision in the Phoenix Valley. So maybe you have some fans who don't populate. Maybe some aren't going to show up. They had a really good game. I know at least when they went the last time they played on Halloween night, I believe. I believe it was against the the Buccaneers and their black jerseys. The tough thing about that one is it's the Bruce Arians game. It's going to be away. Uh, I'm sorry, I was going to say, yeah, that's going to be hard for people to watch that game. I know it was at home the last time, but that's going to be tough because I feel like Arians at least is taking over a bit more of a veteran team despite the fact that they're young, but he's got a lot of their Cardinals players. That's going to be a fascinating game to watch to see because I'm very curious to find out if the Arians experience works the same the second time over. It'll just really depend on if they can force Jameis Winston into like a three-interception game for the most part or if it's going to turn into um, Todd Bowles with what we've seen with him in rookie quarterbacks. I've got that as a loss because of the Bulls factor. We saw the Cardinals with their first year with Bruce Arians, like mixed up Andrew guys like Andrew Luck and other young quarterbacks. I've got that as a loss. Yeah, I've got them beating the Niners um, at home and then, yeah, losing to Tampa uh, on the road. Uh, again, another East Coast start time. Historically, a place the Cardinals don't play particularly well. Uh, they, I mean, the Buccaneers are going to have probably the superior quarterback, definitely the superior head coach in that game, at least in duration of. Murray's career, I think he'll hopefully be better than Jameis, but Jameis' play is going to be elevated this year by Bruce Arians. Anybody who watched Bruce Arians knows uh, they've got superior offensive skill players. Mike Evans is big time. O.J. Howard is big time. So I expect them to take a, a speedy receiver, as you do, Blake, in this draft <laughs> in a week. They could very well end up with somebody like Hollywood Brown. So I think they're going to be a, like a sneaky, fun team to watch, probably somewhere between 8 to 10 wins. So, yeah, that's that's a loss for, for me, Blake. So I've got them at 4-6. Uh, and six. Uh, heading into week, uh, well, I don't know what week it is, week, week 11, yep. yeah, at, at the Niners. And I do think the Niners finally clipped the Cardinals that week, Blake. Um, Cardinals have beaten the Niners. I don't think they've lost to the Niners since the final game of the 2013 season. Maybe, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was the the last Niner game of the 2014 season. The Niners won 8-8, eight eight. the Cardinals yep, yep, yep. made the playoffs at 11-5. That was Jim Harbaugh's last game um, in the NFL. They have not lost since then against San Francisco. So 2015, 16, 17, 18, four straight years that they've swept them. I think, unfortunately, that comes to an end this year. They split and they lose at uh, what used to be Candlestick in San Francisco. Yep, the uh, FedEx field. That one's going to be interesting because that's a Bosa game, and I think at some point you expect with how they've performed, Kyle Shanahan and that team have always been kind of close and on the cusp. They just have never either had the quarterback. When they did with Garoppolo, things looked great. When he started off this season, things were just a bit off. I don't know if it was that teams finally got a chance to watch film or if there was offensive line problems. They, I know we're starting a rookie on, I think a rookie or two on that line as well. I've got this one at least as another loss. I think that it's going to be one of those spots where the Cardinals right now like if that it could easily that I'm more of like a 50 50 split on um, I could see the Cardinals splitting with the Niners this year I've got this game at least as a loss just because I think that you're essentially having the mini buy that you get before the Tampa Bay game you come back to San Fran again it's on the road I think this will be a game that I could see the the Niners, I'd love to see, obviously, a Cliff-Kyle shootout. I think the Niners will win this game. And then you've got your bye week, week 12, one of the latest points for the most part. I, I think that if you're, like you're saying, a little bit higher, like let's say that 
win two of the games you're not expected to win. You're close to 500. You're, you know, potentially saying, hey, like playoffs are still a possibility for us. That's great. Right now they're kind of a little bit out of it at this point for both of us, it looked like. You come back and first thing after the bye week, you get two weeks to prepare for the L.A. Rams at home. So that's probably the best case scenario for the Cardinals is you have two weeks to prepare for the Rams. You're at home and it's a late afternoon game, but I still think right now the Cardinals, again, as we've said, been outscored like 130 to 25 over the last four games that they've played. I'd love to see if it ends up being a close game this time around, but I still have the Rams winning that year. I don't think that they fade just yet unless Jared Goff for whatever reason, unless Gurley keeps having injury problems and they turn into the team that they were last year. Uh, I still think the Rams at least are still the class of the division right now, John. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to be hopefully close games. The the Cardinals have been thoroughly embarrassed by the Rams um, since that. Really, I mean, they've been even before the Rams started to embarrass the Cardinals with Sean McVay. Uh, those Jeff Fisher teams would out physical the Cardinals most every occasion, leave the Cardinals battle battling bruised um, most of the time. They'd lose their quarterback in those games. So it's time for the Cardinals to hit back against the LA Rams. Hopefully this year, at least at home. I agree. I don't expect them to win either game. Excuse me. I don't want to say that because that's the last last game of the season. So I don't. I want to tease that. But I do expect them to lose uh, that home game. And then you have back-to-back, well, three straight home games in a row, actually. You host the Pittsburgh Steelers uh, the following week. I expect them to lose that game as well. But, again, I think it will be a competitive contest. The Steelers usually play down to their competition. Um, especially in games like – like the, the Steelers should have lost to the Raiders last year. Um, so, the, you know, you subtract, you know, uh, Antonio Brown. They're a little bit in flux, even though James Conner is a nice player uh, at running back. Um, I do think they'll be more focused this year. But this is just historically a game where, like, the Steelers end up, like, squeaking out at the end. Ben yep. makes some, like, ridiculous throw. So, I think the Cardinals probably play it tough. But I, I do think they lose to the Steelers on uh, December 8th. Yeah, I've got that still. It'd probably be like maybe I could think of a 34-31. I'm still not sold on the Steelers' defense. Things have kind of, in some cases, yeah. you could argue fallen apart. In some cases, you could say, hey, like they got rid of, you know, the guys who are causing all the problems. And maybe the Steelers have a similar season to the Seahawks last year. Don't think they're going to be that, you know, 12-4 and monster that they've been in the past. But, you know, if it's a 10-6 and type of team or if they're able to find another receiver on the outside, maybe James Washington steps up. I do think that even though it's a home game, I would pick the Steelers in this game. Now, this is going to be probably the most interesting game to talk about this is the game I think you and I were both kind of wondering if this would be a second potential primetime game or if it would be the primetime game at home week 15 versus the Browns two o'clock this is the game where if the Cardinals end up being at least a fun to watch team or competitive for the most part I think this game would have a decent chance to get flexed depending on the rest of the schedule into potentially a Sunday night game I think that would be really interesting to see if the Cardinals would because of the storylines of we believe it's going to be Kyler even if it wasn't Kyler and it was Josh Rosen, you've got the, you know, three mistakes quote that was there. Cliff Kingsbury versus Baker Mayfield, Freddie Kitchens versus his former team. There's just storylines galore. The fact that this wasn't made a national game is interesting, but this is interesting from um, a tweet I found from uh, Paul Kaharski, NFL. Talked about the reason why it's not a primetime game probably is you look at the teams that were 29th, 30th, 31st, and 32nd in passing offense, the Titans, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Cardinals, all got one primetime game this year. So NFL, they want quarterbacks, they want passing, they want explosive offense. That's what they want for their primetime games. That's why they hyped up everything from the 
uh, the, you know, the Chiefs Rams game that was last year that paid off. They saw that and like, great, if you're a bad passing offense last year, we're not putting you up there yet. This would be one if the Cardinals can produce a good passing offense, an explosive offense. I think this is a potential to get flexed for that one. But either way, it's going to probably be like the, the game I would look forward to the most next season. If I'm going to pick like one game that would stand out, sure, the Seahawks would make it up there potentially with if Kyler versus Russell, but Kyler versus Baker with the two number one overall picks, Oklahoma, former coaches. You've got two, two former Cardinal coaches are on the coaching sideline and Steve Wilkes and Freddie Kitchens for the Browns. It's crazy, John. Yeah, absolutely. That was the game I was hoping would be on, on uh, the Thanksgiving day and have that kind of sandwiched in between probably Dallas and Detroit. Thought that'd be a really fun one for a lot of the nation to see both of these young quarterbacks that they probably won't see a lot of, at least from an Arizona standpoint. But I, I do see the Cardinals losing this game. The Browns are just so much more talented than Arizona. And that's because they've, They've had a, a nice selection of draft picks over the course of the last two or three years, but they've just been picking consistently so high. I mean, like, Miles Garrett's a no-brainer pick. You know, they've, they've made a couple shrewd moves in free agency. I like how they've built their offensive line, but they've just they've nailed a lot of their draft picks. And so I think this is a game where, uh, you know, the Cardinals are probably going to trade scores with them. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, the Cardinals aren't going to have the depth that it's crazy to say this, that the Cleveland Browns do. Um, and so I, I don't think Freddie Kitchens is a superior coach to Cliff Kingsbury. Actually, I like Cliff more of a hire, and I think the Browns were probably pretty, I don't know, taken back that more coaches didn't want to interview with that franchise. Remember the yeah. portion of free agency? And this is not an indictment of Freddie Kitchens, but if you're going to promote Freddie Kitchens, you probably would have just done it right away. I think they thought they had more options than they did. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the Haslam effect. Their ownership is is completely kooky, but – you know, at the end of the day, I, I, I think that this is going to be a, a really fun game. I think this is one of the Cardinals' last winnable games on the schedule, but I am going to say that they lose it, Blake. Yeah, I would agree for that one. It's fascinating when you look at I mean, Kareem Hunt's going to be active since it's after week eight. For That that was one of the things I looked at was if the Browns game was earlier. Yeah, man, they, they are loaded. They got they a lot loaded. of stuff. Their so roster is, is of a dream phenomenal. Team outside of a dream team thing where it falls apart for that one. And I don't think that's going to be the case. I would love for that game to end up being flexed and turn into a fun little shootout it would be great to watch. But yeah, the Browns right now with everything, even if Patrick Peterson can shut down Odell Beckham Jr. I just don't think the Cardinals are in position to be able to stop all those different weapons that are there right now. Your only hope would essentially be that you could take a look at the Cardinals looking at Steve Wilkes defense from last year. And maybe that ends up being kind of an issue for the Browns is if Wilkes comes in and can run the four, three, I mean, we talked about it with the Panthers let up a ton of yards, sold out to stop the run, at least for that one, but was super susceptible to the passing attack for that one. Now he's back in a 4-3. It should fit him better. I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as it was with Arizona, but uh, we'll end up seeing. That's going to be at least a lot of storylines heading into Yeah, the, Wil- the Wilkes factor, I forgot about that. Uh, mm-hmm. It'll probably be super amped up for that game, especially with Wilkes thinking he was – you know, probably rightfully so, gypped out of, of year two. So that that is a, a great point, Blake. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then you got your last two games of the season. You've got your Seattle Seahawks game, at least for that one, and that's going to be in the afternoon. And the L.A. Rams also on the road. I got this as a kind of a 50-50 split. Uh, I think that the Rams game, you could argue, if the Rams are in the playoffs – 
it'd be more likely as a game that you probably could see them winning because maybe they rest starters. I picked that one as the win, but it wouldn't shock me, John, if this turns into a similar situation as that 2013 Cardinals team that went up into Seattle when no one else could and was able to sneak out a win because they almost stuck out two wins last year against the Seahawks, John. I don't, I can't pick them at least winning both games right now. I don't think that they're there yet, but I at least picked them to lose against the Seahawks and then to get a win against the Rams. Hopefully at least you can end the season on a high note with two wins, but right now I've got them going one and one and then finishing in the division essentially at, um, I believe I had them at two and four. Yes, I had them at two wins at least overall and then four losses in the division. Ironically, the two losses I had were to the Niners, who were the team with the number two pick. So maybe I'm the one who's crazy over there, John. What are your thoughts for the last two games of the season and ending on the road? Yeah, I think they split with the Seahawks and the Rams, uh, both on the season series and in the last two games. I think they lose at Seattle, uh, and then I think they beat the Rams at L.A. last game of the season, partially because I think the Rams are going to be resting players. Um, I think the Rams uh, are probably flying a little bit under the radar about just how dominant they were early portion of last season. Um, so that would leave the Cardinals 5-11, my prediction, uh, going um, 500 in the division. I think I had the Cardinals winning every uh, home – no, excuse me. So they, they won both the home games against Seattle and San Francisco, then winning the, the uh, lone road game at the Rams. Uh, and so they only – only won two games outside of their division, but I think the, the out-of-conference games, I mean, the AFC North outside of the Bengals, which is their, one of their other wins, is really tough. Uh, it's a tough division to have to play, and then I think the NFC South is, is a tough division to have to play. So, uh, But I, the good news is, Blake, is I don't think any of these teams outside of maybe at Seattle, or excuse me, at New Orleans, uh, maybe one or two other ones, should it get like to the point where it was embarrassing to watch this team last year. Uh, I think a lot of these teams are better than Arizona, but but I, I think that the Cardinals can stay competitive. Um, hopefully we see the David Johnson of old uh, come out this year with Kingsbury. You know, Christian Kirk takes the next step. You get continued production out of Larry Fitzgerald. Kyler Murray gives this team a spark. You've got two capable edge rushers now in Terrell Suggs, Chandler Jones. You may add another one. Yes, it's a little thin up front on the defensive line. You figure they'll add a body or two. And then, you know, the back seven probably is the strongest portion of their defense. Um, still concerns about inside linebacker. But, you know, knock on wood, if certain things break their way, I, I think they should be competitive. Um, I, 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 you know, it, it's sad to see. It's a sad state of affairs when you're you're discussing it with folks that do they have the worst roster in the NFL? It's certainly bottom third. What the Cardinals need, and we'll talk about this in a second, what really gets me excited about, you know, outside of the Murray pick, they are going to have an influx of day two picks. Right now they've got two. I think they could end up with at least four or five based on the Rosen trade, potential trading down. Uh, and you could see a scenario in which they're going to be able to add five starters on day oh, yeah. two that that are going to contribute in 20 in 2019. This is what should excite Cardinal fans. Um, I know Steve Kimes making the picks, but generally he does pretty well on day two. It's probably his best day. Uh, it's those first round picks that, that don't pan out so well, but think about all the great players he's taken. And I, I don't mean to transition out of the schedule, but just think of all those great players he's, he's taken on day two, whether it's Tyler Matthew or David Johnson, John Brown, the, you know, he's, he's done really well in the second round back-to-back -back years with Buda Baker and Christian Kirk. So that, that should give you optimism that like, okay, we may not be great this year. We got a bunch of new players that we're excited about that we want playing time. You know about Kingsbury. If he's, if he's driving the bus for Murray, he wants young players to implement within his system. He's not afraid of playing young players. Yep. Wilkes and Arians, I love them both. Even dating back to Ken Wisenhunt, they were often too rigid with young players. Hopefully Kingsbury embraces them. And if you're taking it in the teeth on Sunday and you're not winning a lot of games, 
don't lose with veterans. Lose with young guys, gain that experience, and hopefully that'll pay dividends beyond 2019. Oh, definitely agree with you, John, for that. All right, uh, we're going to go ahead and actually, uh, we're, with how our podcast is going, we're going to split this episode kind of into two episodes this week. So we'll be focusing on our offensive uh, draft preview when we come back, and then we'll also kind of go over a little bit of a debate as far as with Steve Keim, his presence on the team, and we'll talk about at least who would be the rookie of the year, and is it possible that there could be one of the Arizona Cardinals. So that'll be next time. In the meantime, you guys can check in at least on, again, download us on Apple podcast. Look for us also on uh, Google podcasts, Spotify radio. Uh, you'll be able to find this as well overall on uh, Stitcher, uh, Stitcher podcast as well. Uh, and stay tuned. We got uh, part two coming up later this week, at least for the most part. Um, thanks again for listening to the revenge of the birds podcast.